Welcome to LifeQuest, a program that directs you to subjects and books that will make a difference in your life. A program that will make you think and strengthen your journey of faith in the 21st century. My name is Dwight Lanehoff. Today on LifeQuest, I'm talking with Matt McDonald, and he is with Christian History Magazine, which is a quarterly uh, magazine on, as you may guess, Christian history. And today, today's edition, we're talking about the Christian experiences of divine healing. Uh, Matt, welcome to LifeQuest. Uh, thank you for having me, sir. This particular issue has a number of um, articles by different authors, and it starts out with Jesus, the healer, and we're going to be looking more or less at the, at the history of what it is. And we see that in the story of Jesus, there were a lot of examples of, of miracles, of healing, and we're going to see how that the Christian church related to that or not uh, through, through history. But um, many times a major part of uh, Bible study is the miracles of, uh, of the Scripture. I would say so. It's a very, I would say, beautiful thing when talking about Christian, uh, I would say, healing, in particular Jesus. Um, and a lot of times we start with that just because his ministry is chock full of stories about healing, whether it be uh, the multiplication of, uh, I mean, excuse me, miracles, but uh, whether it be the multiplication of the food or the healing of blind men, people who uh-huh. have uh, different diseases or have had demons cast out of them. There's many, many different stories about Jesus um, healing people. And one of the things that I think is so special about um, Jesus as well, obviously, apart from the fact that he's the Son of God. Um, if you look at specific, I would say, miracles or healings that Jesus did in respect to, uh, kind of in respect to the Old Testament, there's a certain um, greatness to who Jesus is. If you look at the great prophets like Elijah or Elisha, mm-hmm. and like First and Second Kings, you right. see Jesus doing very similar miracles. You can see them uh, multiplying food and even curing leprosy. But with Jesus, um, there's something very special and unique in comparison to Elijah or Elisha. And those things are, most of the time, is that Jesus simply commands or tells somebody to be healed, whereas um, Elijah and Elisha pray for them or have a list of instructions for them to carry out. Now, granted, Jesus did heal in steps in Mark 8 and uh, had some instructions in John 7 for somebody, but the vast majority of miracles and healings were done by command. Um, there's also a couple of other things that I think are also super special about Jesus, Jesus as well. Um, in Exodus 15:26, God says, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord our God and do what is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of the diseases that I put on you in your Egyptians, for I am the Lord, your healer. So within, I would say, the Jewish background or the Jewish, I would say, core beliefs, God is identified as a healer. And when you combine that with Isaiah 53, how the Messiah would bear our illnesses and take our diseases, Mm -hmm. it kind of gives this picture of Jesus really being God and the one to come. And I think that's so, I would say, important to the Christian faith, as the kind of the magazine talks about. In the Miracles of Christ, we have sometimes just a very specific healing. He touches a person, he heals a person. Other times it seems to be linked with 
gathering of people together. They're, they're wanting to see this healer. And then Jesus went on to teach them things based on the fact that they all showed up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that definitely did happen. And I think part of the reason um, why the healing aspect in terms of teaching as well is so important is that there's something um, about miracles that can really valid, uh, uh, give validation to somebody's uh, belief. Um, in Scripture, there are two major reasons why God does uh, healings or miracles, the first of which, obviously, is to add a compassion for people, um, whether it be, uh, for example, the iron axe in the ri- that floated in the river in right. Kings 2 uh, for Elisha and some people that were helping him out, or whether it be the multitudes that Jesus came across um, in uh, Matthew 15, he does it out of compassion. But I think what you kind of were mentioning earlier and how it valid- uh, gives validation to the message, I think that is so important. Um, in Matthew uh, chapter 9, Jesus speaks uh, to the Pharisees about a paralytic that was brought to him. In Mark's mm-hmm. Gospel, I believe he was lowered down to the roof. Right. And the first thing that he says to, um, these, uh, to the people is that, actually to the paralytic, I should say, is that his sins was forgiven. Yes. And a lot of people were really surprised by that. And I think, um, it, I mean, it was surprising because only God for, could forgive sin. But in order to validate his claim of being God, he healed the man in order for them to realize that Jesus was actually God. And in John chapter 5, it says, But the testimony that I have is greater than of John, for the works of the Father has given me to accomplish the very works that I'm doing, in other words, the miracles. They bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. And so I 100% agree with you there that miracles, uh, in particular healings as well, give uh, validity to God um, and his messenger, which obviously in Jesus, or could be the apostles as well. And so we have all of these um, uh, wonderful stories and, and um, teachings about the, the healing ministry of Jesus. And yet when we get maybe just past the first century after the time of Jesus, there seemed to be a reluctance sometimes in the Christian church uh, they even began to question the legitimacy of seeking healing. I wonder what happened there. I would say there's there's a lot of things that have happened, I would say, over the course of different years. Um, one of the things that I think uh, is important to realize is kind of obviously the history of, um, of miracles throughout the Church, in which I think the magazine goes in, into pretty good depth in terms right. of why certain things might be a little bit more um, taboo, maybe maybe not the right term, but a little bit more reluctant in doing so. I would say Christian healing has been a very large part, I would say, of the early Christian church. St. Augustine was one of the things that, uh, was one of the ones that actually talked about it in his book called The City of God. Mm-hmm. Um, Peter Verona, contemporary of Aquinas, also talked about specific healings as well. But if you get up to, I would say, more to the Reformation sort of period, there has been a little bit more of resistance associated with Christian he- uh, uh, healing. Part of that comes to um, part of that comes to the Protestant Reformation being very um, wary of some of the Catholic uh, uh, or Catholic, I should say, um, claims of certain miracles or certain healings or certain sacraments um, in which 
healing was supposed to be promised or guaranteed to people based on certain actions. And obviously, um, Luther, Calvin, and the rest of the people who are involved with Reformation, um, it's very, I would say, very not wise when you have to, when you say to God, you must do this because I committed right. the sacrament. And they, I would say, found that sacrilegious. Uh, what I will say, though, is a lot of times people overlook the fact that they still believed in healing, yeah. but it was more the um, that we shouldn't have the presumption to think that God would demand, uh, we shouldn't have the presumption to demand healing from God. Luther um, wrote uh, to some of his friends, uh, wrote to some of his friends that he prayed for, and two particular individuals who were close friends of his, mm-hmm. Philip Melexon and as well as Friedrich Myconius, um, who were very close to death, and he prayed for them, and they were able to be healed and got better. Um, and I think that aspect um, of wariness uh, has been somewhat carried on into um, today's society um, as well. It sort of became in, in evolving from going to a shrine or in, in parts of history or, or touching the bones of a person that was considered a saint, and it began to evolve, but it was never lost, the, con- the concept. There still were uh, miracle stories. There, were certain, there was certainly a prayer on a regular basis uh, for people. As you say, Luther, in, during the Reformation, we prayed three people on the brink of death back to life. And so th- there was all of that very much. When we get farther into Christian uh, history we find that sometimes there was a drawing back uh, from it, but then there was also uh, groups like uh, Pentecostals that healing became kind of a centrist point to the, their practice of faith. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That definitely is the case. So you have different people, um, let me see here, like William Seymour as well as others, and eventually you get people who are kind of more central in today's time, like uh, Wimberley, the Toronto Laughter, and, and Vineyard, as well mm-hmm. as the people who kind of followed after that, and Randy Clark, and um, Bill Johnson, and Bethel, and all of these sorts of newer people, Hillsong as well, in that. Um, and that healing is, it took a more essential aspect of um, the Christian Church, and then as well as the Christian ideas as well. Yeah. So that definitely uh, uh, happened historically. There... In some um, elements or parts of, of the Christian faith, including my own, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist, and a lot of our, um, there was a marriage, there became a marriage of better health practices as we got from you know the middle of the uh, 19th century and into the 20th century, and prayer, and you have medical institutions that were um, sponsored uh, by um, particular denominations, and yet a prayer and the concept of healing was was not lost and was kind of put together with this, the science of medicine. And I grew up with that in Southern California and college and Loma Linda University is a big medical school and all this sort of thing. So there was this uh, kind of a tie-in, it seemed, uh, bet- between uh, not saying science is the answer to everything or medicine is the but that this was never lost within a, uh, a spiritual healing um, concept. 
I would say that is definitely the case. And one of the things that I really appreciated, at least in today's time, um, is that they didn't issue, they had an article where they interviewed two different doctors. One was a, one of them was a psychiatrist, another one was a pediatrician who uh, taught at a university hospital. And they kind of explored this concept of how Christian healing and prayer should be interwoven with science and how that kind of, uh, what that would look like, I would say, in a very um, modern day or very much present situation. And one of the things that I think is so important is that um, John R. Knight, one of the doctors, said, scientific discoveries are gifts from an omniscient creator. Mm -hmm. They demonstrate his power and love and mercy towards the sick, suffering, and dying. God is the architect, designer, and intellect behind science. He made the world in such a way that science and technology could be made possible, and he gave us the mind to understand it. So um, when I look at, I would say, science, the medical field, and all of those things, along with the power of prayer, when you combine all of those things together, really, a medicine really becomes applied theology. Yeah. Because you're using what God has given us to accomplish compassion and charity for other people. And I don't necessarily, for some people in today's society who see science and God separate, really they're interconnected because one made the other. Science, uh, God was made science possible as well as uh, he, he made the creation. Um, and I think they should not be disconnected. And I'm so happy that um, at least many of the Methodist, Baptist hospitals kind right. of began that way and understood that at the very core of who they were. I was a pastor uh, for 27 years, and, and it was interesting. You'd I would visit people either in hospital or just in their homes. They would ask for prayer. And this began to affect how I approached prayer with individuals and at the same time um, encourage them to get whatever kind of medical treatment uh, was, was available to them and that the one did not contradict the other. Right, exactly. A pastor might use history, apologetics, and reason right. and the validity of the Bible to show that God exists. But that doesn't contradict for the fact that he still asks God uh, for direction and for guidance and for that people to have a heart to listen um, in that. And I think um, both of those things are complementary in that situation, as it is with modern medicine. I'm talking with Matt McDonald. He is with Christian History Magazine. This particular issue is talking about Christian experiences throughout history of divine healing. And we saw earlier in our discussion how that at the Protestant Reformation, there was kind of a rejection of what was happening or what had happened for a long time in the Roman Catholic Church. But now we find that in Roman Catholicism also, there is has been elements of a healing ministry. I would say so, yes. There's definitely been, um, I would say in more recent years, when things have become more popular and more... Um, I would say prominent, especially within the Protestant Reformation. Part of that got caught on with the, um, I would say, Roman Catholicism side as well. One of the things that I will say, in addition to, um, I would say, the kind of Catholic uh, overall big picture, is that they've had a very good understanding, or at least they've had a very good applied theology of 
doing that. Um, if you see like Mother Teresa as well as yeah. Father Damien on uh, the island of Molokai, they all had a very, uh, I would say, heart-centered belief in that they should help the people around them. And part of that was uh, kind of within healing and medicine and those sorts of things as well. Francis uh, uh, Nut was also a um, teacher of this later on, um, I would say in the early kind of 1900s, as well, uh, late 1900s, excuse me, of that as well. And so when and the, I think that was—go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, so, so when the Christian history, even getting to a more modern times, this began to spread, I don't know, through missionaries or whatever, into a world concept of in Christianity— Sometimes in contrasting with the native or or um, basic beliefs that people had about whether it's ancestral spirits or whatever, Christianity began to to bring the concept of a healing and healthful ministry within the teaching of the Gospels. I would have a hundred percent agree with that assessment and statement. Um, some of my favorite, I would say. Stories of the supernatural come from, like, Thomas Doyle and his dreams and visions where uh, Muslims get dreams about uh, Jesus and yes. come to Christ that way. Or even Nabil Qureshi's book, um, Seeking All, Finding Jesus, where he has similar visions. Um, in the Christian History magazine in particular, of the um, there's one, ish, one article that speaks to this very powerfully, and it was an article written by Wunsuk Ma called more powerful than ancestral spirits. And he talks about um, healing happening in these um, really third world areas of the Philippines where these people mm-hmm. who don't really have any um, electricity, uh, running water, medicine, dental care, um, and how they would oftentimes turn to ancestral spirits. But when Christian missionaries went in, prayed for healing, and they were healed, they realized just the power of who Jesus was and how they are, how Jesus is so much more powerful than these ancestral spirits. And I think it's a real testament, even in today's time, that can still happen. I've always been a little uncomfortable when people decided to do a study of the power of prayer, some kind of a maybe scientific evaluation of that, taking instances and all that. And uh, I wonder why I feel uncomfortable with that. Yeah, I would say there's a certain aspect in which there's you have to tread lightly in terms of looking um, at these sorts of things. I think it's important to always kind of have a general picture of what prayer is supposed to be. Um, and I think Juan Ma also gives some very specific, I would say, important steps to this. He provides mm-hmm. four questions in terms of what kind of prayer that God will honor. Um, and I think that's really important in looking on, kind of on the scientific or trying to this testing side of it as well. Um, I know that the Christian History Magazine talks a little bit about the scientific studies of whether the healing happened and those sorts of things, and I think right. that aspect of it is important as well. But we should always keep in mind that whenever we look at this sorts of things, that we should always keep God at the center as well as to glorify God in the highest. We, the last thing I think what most Christians would want is to claim something that necessarily didn't happen, or um, to claim something that might not have been of God's working or doing, um, and to attribute, uh, I would say, a failure to what God, uh, uh, to God's name. 
are taking his name in vain, which I think is uh, important to realize. Investigating, um, I would say, uh, miracles may not necessarily be the best use of our time, but I think it is important that we can also recognize that we don't want to consign God's uh, name to such uh, falsity. Again, I've been talking to Matt McDonald. He is affiliated with uh, Christian History Magazine, which I think is a a very neat and special uh, magazine. Where can our listeners connect to Christian History Magazine? Christian History Magazine um, it was founded by the Christian History Institute. So if you go to christianhistoryinstitute.org, mm-hmm. um, on their website, there will be several different links in front of you. One of them will be magazine. Another one will be today. If you click on magazine, um, you can go uh, and subscribe either electronically to where you can get PDFs to download, or you can um, email me um, at mattdiscipletruth at gmail.com, and I can would be more than happy to get you guys connected to Christian History Magazine as well. You can get a a free um, subscription, printed basis, sent to your home, um, and that can be also signed up on the website additionally. Matt, thanks so much for talking with us today on LifeQuest and uh, helping us delve into something which... Many people just remember history in negative terms from high school <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and say, no, in Christian history, it can be very interesting. Thanks so much for being with us on LifeQuest. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you uh, having me on here, and God bless. Thanks for listening to LifeQuest today. If you have questions or comments, you may send them to lifequest at lifetalk.net. My name is Dwight Lanehoff. This program comes to you from studios in the Meadowglade Church, Battleground, Washington.